Uh, it's almost funny how we try and solve uh, internal problems uh, with external solutions sometimes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like trying to find peace uh, on holidays with young kids. <laughs> now, we... Um, some of you know my children. Uh, we, uh, I, love, I love my kids, but um, I, I was, it's, it's sort of like you go, uh, we prepare uh, for a trip, and, and we camp, we do a lot of holidays camping, and we prepare for a trip, we pack the car, and we're just, in the back of our minds, it's just like, this is going to change everything. We're going to get there, and the camp's going to be silent. The only thing you'll hear is the, the gentle breeze through the trees, and, uh, and we'll relax, um, we'll, we'll be familiar and well acquainted with our camp chairs uh, and I'll immediately remove the burden of responsibility and, and anxiety and it'll just be great. And uh, it's just like, no, all right, just no, just go camping and enjoy it and have a good time and deal with that other stuff separately, all right? It's like, don't put all that pressure on, on that time away, right? There's this, um, there's this new app called uh, Headspace. And it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a meditation app, and it teaches you how to meditate. Um, and uh, and, it's, and it's, uh, I think part of the spiel is it helps you practice mindfulness, so being present and uh, resting in the here and now and engaging in the moment. And uh, it's, you know what? It's, it's bizarre how relaxed you can feel in one moment and fired up the next, right? Like, it's just... Have you, have you realized how anxiety can creep into any situation? Like a, car, a, a quiet car drive home and everything's good and you're just sitting at, a, sitting at that red light for like four seconds too long. It's like, oh my goodness. And it's got you and it's, it's got you by the leg and it's like, I can't shake it. I should have run the red light, right? <laughs> that's, no, that's not <laughs> true. But it, um, it, 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 just, it seems like... We, we try to solve these internal problems, these in, inner heart problems, sometimes with external solutions. And uh, I, I think one of the things that we, we try and do, we, we can't grasp peace that well. Um, and it seems like peace sometimes is really hard to find because uh, the trouble is that sin always separates what God meant to be together. That's, we live in a broken world and, and it's corrupted. And, uh, and this peace that we so long for in our hearts is corrupted. So even, even when we have those glimpses, right, those moments of relative peace, they're shattered by the effects of sin. So we need peace in our restless hearts this Christmas. We need it, but we don't need it in the way that we think. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've been working through Isaiah chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible, you can, you can open up to chapter 9 and there's a couple of Bibles up the back if you want to grab one of those. Um, and, and we'll have a read through the, the start of the chapter and, and just briefly recap over the last uh, few weeks that we've been spending here. So Isaiah 9 verses 2 uh, through to 7, I think it was. All right, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Um, this week we're up to verse 7. So we looked uh, through, uh, sorry, verses 2 through 6 over the last two weeks and we talked a little bit about this, this coming uh, saviour, this coming child who is the, the son of God. So to us a child is born, a son is given, God giving his son the greatest gift that you could ever ask for this Christmas. And um, I've been encouraging us to prepare our hearts for Christmas, to quieten our hearts, to prepare, to push back the, um, just the, the, uh, the busyness internally, the noise that uh, invades our hearts and to quieten ourselves before this coming Savior. We're going to have a look just a little bit further in, uh, in verse 7 at, um, at this coming Savior of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Uh, just to remind you of the context in Isaiah um, and what's sort of happening in this setting, Israel had this great expectation for the coming king, for this Messiah to come and bring political peace and rule over the people and, 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 bring, and come in power, right, and conquer their enemies and, and restore peace to the land. But things weren't looking very good. In, in the book of Isaiah, it's, it's written over a period of roughly 60 years. Things aren't looking great at any stage in this book. These, these years, this sort of setting, this time for Israel, uh, it was a great struggle. Politically and spiritually, they were in a, in a lot of trouble so this is after the nation of Israel is separated and there's a northern kingdom and the northern kingdom of Israel, they were, they were, just, they were going off the rails. They were deteriorating spiritually and they fell. They got conquered by the Assyrian Empire roughly halfway through this book, roughly halfway through Isaiah, about 30 years into the 60-year period. They, they were gone and they fell and it looked like the southern kingdom of Judah, God's people, looked like they were going to fall as well. So they were, being, they were being overrun by enemies. So they're, they're attacked. There's, there's two sort of key movements in this book. Towards the start, they're attacked by Assyria, uh, and, and they sort of fight them off, and they push them back. And then later on, towards the end of the book, uh, they get carried away into cap- captivity by the Babylonians. They get conquered, and they get taken into exile, and, and a few of them remain uh, in Jerusalem. Um, this little remnant remained there, and Isaiah prophesies, uh, to uh, the nation of Judah and then to this little remnant at the end of the book. So into this context, right, into this context of trouble and turmoil and, and enemies surrounding them and coming and invading their land, Isaiah is bringing this message. Trust in God. He has promised a glorious kingdom. Think about the message that he's given your forefathers to Moses and, and to David and these covenants that he's made to his people. He is bringing a glorious kingdom. Listen to Isaiah in, uh, in chapter 51. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out for me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge 
the peoples, the coastlands, hope for me, and for my arm they wait. I will come and rescue my people. God continues to make this promise to, to the people of Israel over and over again in this uh, contents in the book uh, of Isaiah. I will establish my righteousness and my justice and my law. I will judge all peoples. So towards the end of Isaiah, Isaiah comforts the people of God, this remnant. Everyone is carried away into captivity and he, and he talks to these few remaining people who remain in the ruins of Jerusalem. And, uh, and he says to them, God still reigns and he is sending someone to rule. Listen to this beautiful picture he gets. Um, he gives them in Isaiah 52. And, and, and think of this coming Savior. Think of uh, the longing that they had for this Savior. This is chapter 52, verse 5. For there, so now, therefore, what have I done, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Right? They're, they're taken away there captive their rulers wail declares the lord and continually all the day my name is despised therefore my people shall know my name therefore in that day they shall know that it is i who speak here i am listen to this little you might have heard this verse before but let me let me uh, open this up a little bit for you how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. And it continues with this little story. But what Isaiah is doing is he's giving them this picture of a watchman a messenger, sorry, a messenger running into Jerusalem proclaiming good news, good news, right? That's a, that sort of happens across the Old Testament and he's running in and the watchmen notice him and he brings this message, good news, God still reigns, right? And these watchmen are sitting in a broken city. They're sitting in the ruins of Jerusalem, smoke smoldering around them with no hope and this watchman is running from the distance. Sorry, this, this messenger is running from the distance, good news. Your God still reigns. He has not forgotten you. Even in these ruins, even in this trouble, He reigns and one day He will return and He will rule over His people and restore peace. That's, that's what He's referring to in chapter 9 here as well. If we jump back here to verse 7, chapter 9, verse 7, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no and there's a child coming, a son will be born, and this is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. He's going to introduce a new kingdom, this child, this Messiah. He's going to rule over his people, but not like you think he will. He's going to rule over his people with peace, and it's going to be unending. His government, listen, listen to verse 7 there, of the increase of his government. Think about the word government. That, that, isn't a, that word there is his reign, of the increase of his reign, his rule, his dominion. It's, it's actually the action. It's, it's unending. Now, how would we typically expect this to happen, right? It, typically, I think we would expect this to happen by domination, by force, by, by conquering, 
right? If you look at the story of the Old Testament, it's nations conquering nations, conquering nations, conquering nations, right? It's like you look at a map, it's like, I don't even know where the borders are anymore because we're so busy trying to conquer each other and trying to take ground, trying to take uh, dominion. And that's what God's people had in mind. Overthrow these political powers, overthrow these rulers and these nations and free us to live, at you, live as your people. That's what the Messiah is going to do. And when you, when you get to the bottom of it, that wasn't really what they needed, was it? Like that wasn't really going to fix it for them. It, it's almost like they were trying to solve an internal problem with an external solution, right? It's like, I don't think that's actually going to bring you the peace that you need. But so unlike the kingdoms of this world and, and the picture that Israel had in mind, this kingdom expands by peace and by peaceful means. Let me, let me just give you a, a, a whirlwind tour of peace, uh, sorry, of the kingdom of God in, in the Bible. Um, the kingdom of God, the first sort of picture you see of the kingdom of God is in Genesis. So mankind was created to have dominion over God's world, right? Mankind was created to rule over the world under God and, and, and uh, to be his, uh, his um, vice-regents, right? So to be the people that serve with his authority over all of creation and have dominion over everything. Now that goes horribly wrong, right? Like that, just, we just totally stuff that up and we, and we rebel against God. We don't want to submit to his authority. We'd rather do our own thing. And that actually leads to the, a separate kingdom that's built that, that leads to Babylon, right? So if, if you follow Genesis and the story of Genesis, uh, sin comes into the world and, and a kingdom is built uh, and a people is formed that leads to the, the Babylon empire, and then later on in the story, God comes to Abraham and he calls him out from a worldly kingdom to be a part of his kingdom. He calls him out and he, and he separates him. And you see that really clearly a little bit later on in his, in, uh, not in Abraham's story, but in, in the story of Egypt. So Egypt, think about the clash of kingdoms in the story of the plagues, right? This is a worldly king going against the real true king against God as king over everyone and everything. And this is the first time that God's actually referred to king in the Bible. After he brings his people out from, from Egypt, after he uh, frees his, his people, after Israel is, is redeemed, he gets referred to as king. And think about what he does there. God comes in power to confront and defeat evil and liberate his people kingdom of God comes to confront and defeat evil and liberate and redeem and ransom back his people. And now, now what happens next, right? So God uh, leads his people, uh, leads Israel out and he starts leading them on this journey and he invites his people uh, to live under his reign as their king. I will be your king, you will be my people, right? He makes a covenant with them, there's a relationship there, he establishes it establishes that and what happens again Israel does a terrible job all right nothing no surprise here Israel just totally stuffs it up right a terrible terrible job and even goes as far to install their own kings you remember that right so it's like it's not enough to have God as our king we want our own kings like all these other guys like all these other nations around us God would you give us a king now this doesn't mean that God doesn't still reign and throughout the story of the Old Testament that the, the poet's 
and the prophets, they keep proclaiming this message. God is coming to reign. Someone's coming to restore the kingdom of God. He's going to liberate his people. That's what's going on throughout Isaiah. Someone's coming. A child is coming. A Messiah is coming. Someone's coming to free us. Now, this is what Jesus saw himself bringing to light. Jesus comes into this setting uh, and, and he sees himself. He presents himself as the person who brings the kingdom. He forms a people, doesn't he? He calls disciples, 12 disciples. This is, this is a parallel to the 12 tribes of Israel, right? You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus announces this kingdom and presents himself as king. Now, he does it very subtly. He doesn't come out and openly say it, does he? I'm the king. I'm here. Here's my kingdom. Now, come and follow me. He's very subtle, isn't he? And he survives for three years, right? Until they get... That we've had enough of this guy. This, is, this guy is, just, is making too much turmoil. There's too much going on here. We've got to get rid of him. But what does it look like when Jesus reigns as king? He heals the sick. He, he helps the poor. He, he serves those in need. He reaches out to the marginalized. He lays down his life, his entire life as a sacrificial offering. So Christ, let me just give you two little notes in this story. Christ is the messenger for this kingdom. He comes, well, let, let me ask you this question. What was the main message of Jesus' ministry? Of Jesus' earthly ministry for three years, what was his main menace, uh, uh, message? What, what was he saying? Some of us might say, or love your neighbor, right? Or even go as far to say, love your enemies. But... It's pretty clear that the main message that Jesus had was the kingdom of God is at hand. What's the first thing he says? If you look throughout the Gospels, the first thing Jesus says when he introduces his ministry, so he's taken, uh, uh, sorry, he's, he, baptism, temptation, he introduces his ministry, he begins his ministry, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is at hand. It's right here. It's right in front of you. This is how he introduces his ministry to the people of Israel. Matthew 4, 17. Mark 1, 14. Luke 4, 43. That's the way he kicks off his ministry. The kingdom of God is here now. And Jesus is this messenger, right? He's a messenger. He spoke about the kingdom of God more than any other theme in his teaching. That was the main theme of his ministry. Luke 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. This is a really key part of Jesus' ministry. Now, let me just, just quickly look at what we talk about when we say kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? What is that? It, the word there is referring to an action. So it's not really talking about a place. It's not that much a location or a place. It's more about an action. So the kingdom of God is the rule or reign of a king over his people. It's less about a place and more about an action. If a king is reigning, then yes, you can naturally conclude that yes, he's reigning in a place over a people, but the kingdom of God is about the king's reign. It's about that action, his active reign. So kingdom 
let's, let's just define that. A state of being under someone's rule. So are you a part of the kingdom of God? You could ask that. Are you under the rule of God? Are you under the rule of Christ? So Christ announces the kingdom of God is at hand. The active rule of God over his people is at hand. Repent. God is here to rule over his people and redeem them. Now now think about this just again for a second. We're expecting a political Messiah to triumph over our enemies. And Jesus comes into the scene and he's hanging out with the dropkicks and he's reaching out to the marginalized and he's hanging out with all the sick, unclean people and he's announcing, I... I'm the king of this new kingdom and it's not at all what you think it is. It's a kingdom of peace and restoration that will increase unto eternity. This is what humanity needs, isn't it? Think about what you really need this morning. I need a king to rule over my heart. My heart is unruly. My desires are inconsistent, right? I need a king to come into my heart and rule over me, to have dominion over me, not by, not by domination, not by force, not, not with an armbar, but with peace, by reconciling us, by Ephesians 2, by becoming for us our peace. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, sorry, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace now christ we've established christ was the messenger for this kingdom he came to earth this child was born and and throughout his ministry he uh, he heralded he brought the message the kingdom of god is here repent and christ by his death and resurrection becomes the king of this kingdom let me let me summarize it like this in death jesus went from the messenger bringing the good news of god's kingdom to the king who would reign over it. He defeated sin and evil, the enemies of God's kingdom, the true enemies of God's kingdom. And he established a way through which all of his followers could take part in the kingdom of God. Jesus brings the reign of God over a broken, sinful world, not through domination, but through an act of sacrificial love, by laying down his life. His crucifixion. Listen, uh, in, the, in the Gospels, listen to this. The, the picture that the Gospel writers give us of the crucifixion is, is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. What do they put in his head? They give him a crown of thorns. Don't they? they crown this king. They give him a title. All hail king of the Jews. And they give him a robe. And they lift him up on a cross, put him before everyone. Here's your king. If you're really king, you're going to come down off that cross? Is that what you're going to do? And that's what, that's what Isaiah's getting at in, in, in the second half of his book. If you read through chapter 52 and 53, chapter 52 and 53 this week, listen to that. Listen to what this king goes through. A suffering servant, establishing peace in a way that nobody expected. 
And ultimately, through his sacrifice, Jesus is exalted above all as king. Daniel 7 talks about this. He sees this. He sees a picture of this. Uh, Daniel 7.13, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. His reign isn't what they thought it would be. And Christ comes and in dying ushers in a reign of peace. Now let me just um, finish this little section by looking at peace. So we've talked about government, we've talked about kingdom and, and reign but verse 7 says, of the increase of his kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. Let's talk about peace for a second. That word there is, is shalom. It's a pretty common uh, Old Testament word, shalom, uh, completeness, restoration, wholeness. It's, like, it's as if the picture for shalom is a wall that doesn't have any cracks in it or a stone that you use to build with that doesn't have any imperfections. It's, it's whole, it's complete, it's restored. Isaiah, again, just taking you through Isaiah. Isaiah gives us a picture of this kind of peace. Chapter 11, verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. It's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. What? No, that doesn't happen. That's not right. Something's wrong there. A little bit further down, there's a, a bunch of pictures there. A little bit further down, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. That's just bad parenting, right? It's like, no, 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 that's not right. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not the way the world works. And what he's saying, what Isaiah is saying is that's how radical this peace is. This peace, it's going to be hard to fathom. You're not even going to be able to get your head around it. It's that radical. You thought it was peace externally. You had this picture in your mind of what it would be like, but you were so wrong. I had a far, far deeper peace in mind. A peace that at heart is about restoring all of creation back into relationship with God. A peace that speaks to the deep restlessness that lives in the heart of humanity. That ultimately looks like a holy, righteous God reigning over His redeemed unrighteous, made righteous people. We need to consider this. Let, let me uh, just give you a little bit of application and we'll, um, we'll wrap up. Often, uh, often Christ's reign, it, it's not what we think it will be either, is it? Right? So the Israelites had this picture of what it would be like. And I think we, we get in a similar sort of spot. We want things to change for us in a particular way or we want things to look uh, or, or we want to change to look to us in a particular way. We want things to change for us now. Or we want to be the, ad, the ad agents of change in our own lives. A lot of the time, uh, if you think about our own lives, we focus on solving the now problems, the things that are right on the surface, the most pressing and most in front of us. It's, it's that uh, task category called urgent and not important. 
the one that you don't really want to get to. That's, that's poor planning. When you're in urgent and not important, it's like you're stuck. And that's sort of the way sometimes we think about our lives. And the reality of, of Christ for us this morning is that God's kingdom, God's rule, the way he reigns over us is bringing about our restoration in a way that at times we misunderstand. We, we want God to work in a particular area, in a little niche of our lives. We've got a particular picture of how that looks, don't we? With, with no real regard of his holistic picture, of his holistic restoration. It's like, no, 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 I, that's, that's, this is what we're working on. This is the problem. This is what needs to be addressed. And this needs to change like right now. And that's, I've been praying about this. I've been thinking about this. I've been bringing it to the table time and time again. And that's what needs to be fixed, right? And that's what the Israelites are doing. This is what needs to be fixed. And we do that in our own lives, don't we? This is the problem. And God in Christ brings his reign, brings his kingdom into our lives. And it doesn't always look like we think it does. So we ought to be patient. We ought to be really patient as God goes about his work in our lives, on our hearts. I wonder, uh, let me ask this, I wonder what the kingdom of God looks like in your life at the moment. Where is his rule transforming you? What is it doing to your heart, to your desires, your ambitions, your decisions, your, your past, your future? And are you resisting it? Advent. Let's, let's just finish by talking about Advent. Advent is a time for us. Um, uh, sorry, Nathan, you can come up. Advent is a time for us to remember the longing that God's people had for a king to come and rule over them. But, but more than that, it's a time to know that Christ is the king who has come and he rules over our hearts. And the way that he rules is a proclamation of peace. And it's an eternal peace. It's unending peace. We look forward with longing, right? Who knows that that isn't completely true for us yet. This is the kingdom of now and not yet. We look forward with longing, with anticipation, with a hunger, with a desire in a, in a similar way to the Israelites did for complete restoration, for complete peace, for complete reconciliation. This is, this is really good news. The king has come. Like, do you hear that? Do you hear that in your heart? Like the king has come. Jesus is the king that has come. Jesus has come to redeem his people and he's freed them to live for him forever. His kingdom, this kingdom of peace will never end. So if you're a Christian this morning, the peace that you know and that you experience in your heart is everlasting. It is eternal. It is increasing and it's eternal. So as you grow in relationship to Christ, in communion with Christ, in, uh, in, in His reign ruling over you, this peace that you know in your heart is eternal and it's unending. And that is really, really, really good news for a broken world, isn't it? 
and you should probably partner with him in that. You should probably join in on that work. Where could the gospel bear fruit in your life and, and relationships? What does life under God's rule, under his good and gracious rule, what does that look like for you? What does life look like in God's kingdom? This is the work of God. Verse 7 finishes with that. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This work of peace, of restoration, of renewal depends on God. So if you're, if you're sitting here and you're restless and you're wayward and you just you feel incomplete, you're walking through circumstances where it, it feels anything but peace, it feels like I'm at war, it feels like it's an un, unending war, you might want to pray and ask God for His work of peace this morning. That He would come and reign over your life and reign over your circumstance. That He'd be glorified in your life through His restorative power. So we're going to sing together, but I, I would encourage you to... You might just need to sit and pray. You might need to sit and think about the circumstances that are right in front of you, the relationships and the... Man, this is, this is the last week before the, the week that the nation shuts down, right? You've probably got a bunch of things you need to do. If you're not on holidays yet, you've probably got a pretty big week coming up. But who knows that that's not really the problem that needs solving. So you might want to just sit here while we sing and just, uh, just turn your eyes towards Jesus anticipate his arrival anticipate his coming his reign of peace over your heart